Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the American Masterminds Podcast. Each episode, we invite extraordinary guests who are masters of their craft, they're innovators, entrepreneurs, and of course, motorcycle enthusiasts who have made their mark in the world. They share their stories, insights, and hard-earned wisdom, giving you a front row seat to the strategies and experiences that shape their successes. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for an exhilarating ride as we dive deep into the minds of these exceptional individuals. Along the way, we'll uncover powerful strategies, gain fresh perspectives, and explore the limitless possibilities of what it takes to be an American mastermind. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Oh, glad to be here. (laughs) So let's uh, get close. Get close. Yeah, you want to get all up in here? Okay. Um, Aaron, the first story that we'll start off with. (laughs) Okay. Story number one. Story Story number one. Uh, You found a business when the rest of the world was shut down and locked away in their houses. Heading into disaster. Heading into disaster. Ah. The, the flu that mm-hmm. was going to take out the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you found a way to find an opportunity in that. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a believer uh, to pivot and move with whatever needs to be done to keep your businesses moving forward. So as the pandemic started, uh, I noticed that there were tent companies all across the country primarily on the east coast that were doing covid testing tents i figured what the hell (laughs) we'll give it a shot so i ended up uh stealing some of their screenshots of their testing setups and kind of this is what we could do figured i could do whatever they were doing and made made a facebook or facebook post and put it out there got contacted by someone who wanted tents and turned out that group was the Silicon Slopes. They're the ones who founded Test Utah, which because I was did all their tents here in Utah, uh, we got to where they wanted me to go out to um, Iowa and Nebraska to do both, both those out there. So we were in Iowa and Nebraska for two years with tents and generators and climate control and the whole thing doing it all i just want to back up a little bit how many of those tents before you uh made the post how many tents did you actually own oh that that, that could facilitate this type of tent at, at that point we probably had like the sizes that we were using we probably had 50 to 60 but in our total inventory we were somewhere between like 550 to 600 tents total you owned total that we owned yeah. okay so we're going into the pandemic you already had a tent yeah. company yeah okay we and were, you and you had the inventory we had inventory just needed something to do with it all right and so these guys call you up and how many tents do they need in nebraska uh well it started off the ones here they just started up and they just said hey can you have a tent thursday at the provo provo mall and we're like okay how, then, how big of a tent i just want uh, people to get an idea 30 30 by 50 foot tent so, so this is a, a house size tent yeah it would have like it's 1500 square feet we just made two drive lanes so you could drive through it so 1500 um, feet square feet just so you guys know that's about three bedrooms two baths it's a it's a good size condominium <laughs> yeah so it's not a small tent yeah and the following day they asked for one at the Timpanogos hospital so we set one up there and then they just in the next few weeks they just send locations be like hey we need a tent in logan we need a tent over here in tremont we need one in west valley we need ones at the kearns rec center and i was like okay we just kept going 
was like, this, this is good. And we had no idea when it started what it was going to be. And most of those tents, even here in Utah, were up for like 14 to 18 months. Wow. And I even had stuff on rent up until about three months ago. They still had a testing center at the Provo Mall. We just had like some generators and cable ramps. And it was you know only 1000 or $2,000 a month, but it's been two and a half years. Of steady. Of steady that amount every single month. And so now you've got these tents set up. You've, um, I would imagine we've gotten to the point where we've almost exhausted the inventory. That's a lot of tents that go, go up immediately. And then you get another big order, in my understanding, right? There's more people that were like, oh, hey, this guy's yeah. helping out. Can you tell us that story? That's, this is my favorite part of the story. If I remember it correctly, that you uh, kind of had exhausted your inventory and they called up and they're like, hey, we need this by blah, blah, blah. And you had no idea you were kind of out of tents. And you were just like, okay, let me do it. And you... Uh, went and found the tents you went and put the tents uh, up you that went. is pretty much how this whole experience is gone um <laughs> what you're referencing there is we were we were running low on tents um we needed significantly more what does that for, mean i want you to know aaron is a king of understatement um what is significantly so <laughs> we needed at that time because we had other things going on as well because we're still going to do we do all of our fireworks tents. Sure. That was expanding at that same time frame. Um, so at that point, I needed about 40 more tents in like uh, 20 by 40 to 30 by 50 foot size. In how long of a time? Um, I was going to need them in the next like two months. Okay. And what ended up happening on that account, um, those tents were all sourced from a company in Washington State that had been bought and was being liquidated. And I saw a thing on a Facebook classified for it. Uh, got a hold of one of my business partners and said, hey, you, you want to go to Washington to go look at this stuff tomorrow? And he said, tomorrow? sure. So we left in like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, drove all the way up there, spent the night, went and looked at the stuff in the morning, and ended up buying three semi-truck loads worth of stuff by the time we are done, buying way more than we'd gone to what we needed and we're like oh that's a good deal and that's a good deal and that we'll just throw that in there and all that stuff has made us money yeah so you bring back these three semi trucks you've got the tents you need and you were able to use that inventory above and beyond yeah we're still using that inventory for different things so we got some smaller tents to do like fair like county fairs state fair stuff like that um still using that stuff Love it. So just so you know, when we're talking about these tents, they're those great big, huge vinyl tents that you see at like any concert, any... Um, fireworks stand. Fireworks the, stands. Yeah, the huge, these huge tents. Right. And, um, he's setting them up. And when you set them up, you set them up with a giant weight. Sometimes they're concrete weights. And yeah. sometimes you use water barrels. Um, so you had to go get a water truck. Can you tell us about that, how you're creating these weights? Because I find that fascinating. Okay. So there's two ways. We've got concrete blocks, which are better. And we started off with water barrels, but that's a fun story. So we went from, originally we went from 20 tents. We had 20 tents and our first year, I want to say we added 80 tents to that. So we went from 20 tents to a hundred tents for fireworks in one year, which then went, we need that many more water barrels. So, you know, how many water barrels 80 tents, per tent? So, and you're doing a minimum of 16 per tent, and we needed 80, so we're in the thousand. You know, 1,200 water barrels. You're like, I need 1,200 water barrels. Jesus. 
So <laughs> these are the things that blow my mind. Is like I've never thought. Gosh, you know what I could really go for? Twelve hundred water bottles. And so, then where am I going to keep them? And how am I going to fill them? And how much? Now you don't you don't worry about where you're going to keep them or what you're going to do. You just need them. So you, need you, them. Go, you go after them. Uh, KSL. Facebook Marketplace. There's, uh, there's a run on water barrels. We don't know what's going on around here. <laughs> so the guy I got majority of them from uh, gets them from the Pepsi plant up in Harrisville, and he rinses them out, and they're, they give them to him, and he sells them. And I was buying so many, I was buying them for like 10 bucks a piece, but then the rest of it, I was pulling cash out of the bank and literally driving to people's houses all over in between, you know, Weber, Davis, Salt Lake down in Utah County and they'd be like, yeah, we've got 10 barrels or 20 barrels or 30 barrels. And I just show up in the box truck and try to get them cheap as I could and throw them in there. And they were all dirty, hadn't been rinsed out. And I ended up, I'd had these teenagers that would come in on the weekend and use a pressure washer and spray them out. Oh my hell. They could have anything in them. We went to Idaho to a dairy farm (laughs) and picked up all of the barrels that had like the hoof chemical and teat dip and whatever oh else in God. them and some of them still have those stickers on them we've got some that had formaldehyde in them <laughs> from the same place you're just like hmm. delicious some that had hot sauce in them i got some from pretty much anywhere well, there's like nutrition place down in like springville and we get ones that have agave syrup in them or whatever anyone and everywhere but it took me about Four or five months, I was able to collect all the barrels I needed. That's wild. 1,200 barrels? Uh Uh-huh. So something I really appreciate about Mr. Tyrell here is there's uh, always the, well, let's see. Let's see. He's just got this let's see if we can do it kind of an attitude. A lot of people that I've met in my life are like, "Mm, nope, I can't. That's, uh, That's outside my scope of imagination. And that's not something that this gentleman says. He's just like, I don't know. Like there's a kind of a little bit of a shrug and almost like, it's a challenge I'm willing to take. That's exactly it's the wheels that what start it is. turning. Yeah. I love the challenge of whatever it is. Be like, hmm, let's solve the problem that can't be solved. Or let's find a solution to your pain point that no one else has been able to find. So it's kind of a rare thing that we're talking about, the way that your brain works in this regard. Where do you think that comes from? Oh, I don't know. I've been this way my whole life. Even as a boy, you were like solving problems and making problems solving them uh, pretty much i've just been i was always building stuff as a kid creating things um when's the first time that you can remember like you actually thought that this is different this is like a it's almost like a superpower Aaron. honestly like is there a time growing up where you were like i'm not like the rest of these kids there was one thing that i can relate back to that was a pretty pivotal moment that now that i think about it where I question what in the hell my parents were thinking. I had... four? No. (laughs) So I was a teenager. I was 16, 17 years old. See, yeah, I was 17. I bought this, like, 77 CJ5 Jeep. Running it around. um, Wheel bearing went out. Tore up the axle shaft. I figured out it's going to be five, six hundred bucks in parts. Oh, shit. I'm like, man. I'm like... Hmm. I'm like, but I can buy this 77 Chevy pickup for $200 that doesn't run. And I can take those axles out and put it under the Jeep. And I just went to my parents and I was like, hey, these things will just bolt right up. 
my parents weren't naive. They weren't dumb. My dad was a little bit mechanically inclined. <laughs> and they just went, okay. So I bought the truck, got it towed home, gutted the axles out from underneath it in the street, left it on railroad ties, and like on your public roadway, uh, and put everything underneath this Jeep and lifted it up and re-welded spring perches and did all these things and built new steering and learned how to weld to put the gearbox in. And I'm like, at one point, I'm, were they just like, hmm. They're like, well, let's just see what he can do. Like, yeah. this is not just it. four bolts. It just bolts right in. No, it's a total, no. it's like a total remake. Total different thing. Yeah, yeah. And they were just like, let's see what happens here. And I think back at that now, and I was like, Things like that were just always, like, been giving me confidence my whole life. Like, I'd be like, hmm, I wonder if I can do that. And then i figure out how to do it. So you were supported by your folks, not maybe yeah. encouraged, but not limited either. They, like, you were just like, let's see what happens. I had so much love given to me by them that I didn't even know I had abundance of love until <laughs> I see other people's lives now. And I'm like, oh, oh. that's what not what I had looks like. Okay. That's but, amazing. I mean, Love it. Well, um, so now let's fast forward. Um, we're and I don't want to disrupt it. You've got some notes Go there. Go ahead. Um, so you have this tent company now, and you've got all these tents all over the United States. And um, having a tent up isn't like going out and setting up a, a strip mall or a, a building somewhere because tents are they're temporary. They they can be blown around. There could be a lot of storms. I've been in Nebraska. They have some storms out there. Oh yeah. And, um, and so what would you do to stay on top of the damage that was always occurring to these tents? I don't know if I ever told you this. Uh, have I told you about the Drencho? <laughs> Drencho? Drencho. Okay. So Drencho is an actual weather term of hurricane force straight line winds. So 120 to 140 mile an hour straight line winds with rain. Holy cow. Where does this happen? Nebraska. Oh, of course it of course. does. So... I'm laying in bed one morning, and I'm like, I wake up, I'm checking my phone, doing whatever, and I'm like, hmm, weather service alert, Drencho in Nebraska, and I'm like, what the <laughs> is a Drencho? And I look it up, and I'm like, oh. Uh-oh. That's call, a problem. Call my guys, and I'm like, hey, we're going to Nebraska tomorrow, and they're like, why? I'm like, we're going to get a call. And sure enough, about three hours later, we ended up leaving that night. They called. We we had a tent that was strapped to four. Each of the twelve legs had four thousand pounds of concrete on it. The whole entire tent. The concrete stayed in place. It moved about four or five feet. The whole entire tent is gone. Are you vanished? Serious? Nobody For knows tent, where it is. Tent front. It went so far away. But we're driving up there, and we're like, we didn't understand. They'd sent us videos from other places that we went to, and like enclosed utility trailers tipped over in the wind onto the tents, knocked down porta potties, blew stuff wherever. And we're like, okay, that's not bad. And then you're just driving, and entire tree lines are pushed down, entire cornfields, everything's leveled. Leveled. What? All going the same direction. Garage doors are blown in on houses. Silos are flat on one side. What? Like 100 foot silo and it's just like kinked over at the top. Oh my hell. I've got photos and videos of all that and it's just like you're just like what in the world? And then we pulled into a town. Didn't have power. We were 
we found the one gas station we could get gas. And there was like a hundred cars in line, but we didn't think about it. We're like, yeah, we're good. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, these people haven't had power for two days. Oh my hell. And they still didn't, they haven't had power for, uh, I think like a week. It, they ended up being in, claiming it as a natural disaster area and getting like government relief to help rebuild everything. Well, and the crazy thing too is afterwards, the heat that rolls in, it's like, you know, you, it, wait, was it during the summer? Oh uh, yeah, it was mid midsummer, so June, July, yeah. I'm sure. So you have this like super wet, crazy season. Everything's flooded and soaking wet, and the next thing you know, the like 95, 100 degrees rolls in. They don't have power for weeks. That's where people start to lose their lives. I mean, it's they're stuck in their houses yeah. and it's just baking hot. But here's the question: back to what the the story. Um, I am a packer, an overpacker. I like to, I like to bring stuff. I like options. Yeah. You have the trunk on your bike, we know. Yeah. <laughs> I ride a bagger for a reason. Um, and so the, the reason I bring it up is because you get this call, and you get the call in the middle of the night, like, what do you bring? Like, how do you know what to load up? Whole tents. We would just bring whole frames. Just, uh, just like new stuff. like you knew brand, you... All brand new frame, new tent tops, new sidewalls, whatever we had out there. We'd just bring a whole new setup just in case. We would bring drills and saw. Sometimes we'd get there and things would be so broken, like they'd be like bent in shapes that you couldn't put back on the truck. You had to cut them up. Sometimes we had to cut new poles out of old poles, just whatever we had to do to make it work. How many tents did you have out there and how many were damaged? Uh, on that Drencho, we had, let's see, those were mostly Nebraska. Let's see, most of those ones were in Iowa. We had like 12 in Iowa and eight in Nebraska, and we had a total of four tents that had problems. It hit like one area, and the rest of the state was just fine. So the, the thing that um, always astounds me about his stories, and this is, I'm kind of a logistical, like I ask, I, this is what I think about. I say, so how long, like, so you call in the middle of the night, you load up the truck, you're on the road by five or six o'clock in the morning, you drive, it's eight, eight or 10 hours to get there. 19. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. 19, 19 hours. Because you're not driving fast. You're in a big old box truck loaded. And you just spent all night loading. Yeah. Then you get there, and it's all hands on deck working until it's done. And then, so sometimes when he tells me these stories, he doesn't sleep for like four days. Or he's like sleeping. His crew is like sleeping on the work site. Like they're. Yeah. So the majority bananas. of those trips, we have a, a semi truck with a sleeper on it. And we would tow a big 40-foot gooseneck trailer behind it. And we would take three or four guys. And either one or two people would be on the bed sleeping the entire trip. And we would rotate drivers going through all of this. But we, I personally made a couple trips with one other person to go like fix one tent or go move a tent. And our fastest time was 42 hours one time. Oh. We left and we're back in 42 hours. We drove to the Iowa, essentially it's Davenport, Iowa. It's, you can throw rocks into the next state from yeah. there. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're throwing stuff into Illinois. <laughs> That's what you're doing. You can almost smell Chicago from there. And I so, went to school right above there in Platteville. That's not a, that is a long ass drive. Oh yeah. That is wild and nothing to look at. Nope. <laughs> nothing to see here. 19 <laughs> hours straight. Uh, Literally straight. Every single time, this is how I work when I do those long trips, I'd go with this other guy. His name is Eli and uh, Eli's a beast of a man. But he, uh, we'd get out there. We always end up finishing up like one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I am done. 
I just drove all the way out here. We just worked 10 hours. I, I'm done. And he would be like, okay, I got it. And we'd go stop and grab, he'd go grab some bang energy drinks, pound them back. And he would drive until like six, seven o'clock in the morning and be like, wake me up and be like, hey, it's your turn. And then he would just pass out. Oh my and hell. then I, you know, at that point I've had four or five hours of sleep. I'm like, okay. Fresh as a daisy. And I drive for the next 10 hours and then he'd drive. And then we just kept switching back and forth. And you know, yeah, I mean, that's restful sleep, sleeping, sitting up at a pickup. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Real good. We'd have that, we had that bed that semi truck. So it was, it bounces everywhere. So it's not very good sleep anyways, but that's they're wild. meant for sleeping while you're not moving, not sleeping while you're driving up the road. So when you're doing these long runs and these long, lots of hours, lots of, uh, I've, I've heard many stories. This is not the, uh, the exception. This is kind of the rule. Like when it's go time, it's, it's go time. Yeah. Um, do you feel, cause I've, I've done long back to back shifts and don't you, like you're doing some kind of not super technical, but somebody get hurt. Like you're doing stuff. You're exhausted. You're in zombie mode. You, do you ever feel like you do. it gets dangerous or? Uh, no, that's generally the problem is that you never realize that till you're done that you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um, it hasn't happened for several years, but, uh, during our fireworks season, I would for multiple years, I'd have someone tell me I shouldn't drive anymore and be, whether it was my wife or my brother or employees or the guy who was riding with me when I fell asleep on the freeway. Um, so we were, we'd been working 36, 40 hours, something. And I was talking to this guy as we were sitting in rush hour traffic on I-15, about 106 South. And next thing I know, I was mid-sentence. I remember talking. Next thing I know, I got smacked in the chest. I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, you were talking. And he goes, and your head just rolled back. Are you serious? I literally just, I was so exhausted, I passed out. And he smacked me. But we were in stop and go traffic. I had my foot on the brake. But had we been driving, I would have been... And then the oncoming traffic. And then they're like, and then the problem with that is, is that time it's crunch time. We have deadlines. We're trying to get stuff done. We were understaffed. We were learning. We were first few years in the business. We were learning what we were doing. And I essentially at that point had teenagers working for me. I don't think I had anyone over 18 years old at that point. And it just, you know, they just be like, yeah, well, you can't drive anymore, but we have to keep working. So that's exactly what I tell them. Like, well, we just got to go and do this, which does have its benefits is that my best employees now worked for me when they were 14, 15 years old. Now they're in their early twenties. And today they rode with me up to rock Springs at six 30 in the morning to go buy trucks. We drove back, got back here about one o'clock today. They loaded up a semi truck and took off to St. George about three o'clock. They're gonna go down to drive down to St. Cedar City and St. George, take down eight tenths, and drive back. Tonight? All today? It'll be tomorrow by the time they get back, but they won't get a hotel room. They'll just come back because that's what we do. Oh I, tell, hell. I tell them they can stop and get hotels, but they won't. <laughs> They'll just be like, no, we'll just come back. That's wild. And so that's just standard. This marathon type of business, I just want you to know, like, story after story where I'm just like, and you were, how, how many hours was that? Like, oh, it's just 
three days. It was just three days. Yeah, we have, we have a common phrase in my household of working half days. And it, originally, my children who worked for me got excited when I'd be like, yeah, a half day. Until they figured out that phrase means 12 hours. <laughs> half, it's a, it's uh, a short day, boys. Half a real day. I'm like, we're only, I'll be like, guess what, everyone? Be excited. We're only working a half day today. And they're like, Ugh, 12 hours. Uh, 12, seven to seven, baby. 12 to 16 hour days in the summer. It's just common. So is it, it sprints throughout the year then? You go through, uh, yeah. It's been growing. So it used to be June. June was like that. July was slow. Uh, August, September, we're busy. October. Uh, now we're starting in May. Sometimes in February we start getting busy. In like May, everyone's working 80 hours of pay period and getting overtime. And that's then June, July. I mean, I had a guy this year. He got 70, 70 hours of overtime on a on a pay, in a pay period so in two so weeks in two hell. weeks he works 70 hours of overtime so 150 hours in two weeks he's wow. working a whole extra week <laughs> this yeah. month so here's the thing um that is amazing is your ability to diversify so we've got i'm shifting gears here a little bit um unless you'd like to no please go ahead um i've been to your uh, location in is it is it murray yeah in murray and, and um, you've taken me upstairs and um, not only is there tents, but there's tables and there's chairs and there's napkins and cups and plates and forks and spoons and 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 all of these things. If you want to have a wedding, if you want to have a, a rager party, if you want to anything, you have the flooring to install to make it work. Like it's you don't want to have you don't want to walk on the grass. Well, we're gonna we've got flooring that yep. can get you across there. <laughs> like all of the things. And so no tell us joke. A, we just did a job for Fortune magazine up at the Montage Resort in Park City. It was two tents that totaled like 14,000 square feet of tents. 14,000. Oh my God. And then 18,000 square feet of flooring. Are you serious? Five semi trucks load worth of tents and flooring to get there. Wow. So here's how it goes is um, the uh, Montage is, um, they're no slouches. They've got something happening today and they have something happening tomorrow. And so we have to get in there. Like the event starts tomorrow at 1030, 11 o'clock, whatever it is. And so we have to, and, but the last event doesn't get out of here until like noon. That's their deadline to be out. And so there's this very tight timelines that he has to show up with everything and have it all set up and crack a lacking on time. And so the pressure, I think about these events and getting in and getting out, setting up and breaking it down. And just the sheer logistics. It's a circus. It's an amazing circus. I want to go just to watch. I don't really want to carry anything because I'm an old person. But <laughs> I think that it would be great just to see the show. Like you guys got to do some kind of like a uh, one of those cameras that have like the this. We were get we've done a couple jobs at, with uh, like time lapse videos. Time lapse, yeah, that's it. Done that. Uh, but that job in particular, we just did. We uh, ended up taking five days to do the install. We had a day to load. We loaded everything in on the uh, 3rd of July. Everyone was out late on the 4th. We show up the morning of the 5th and just go to town. We laid all 18,000 square feet of flooring, which is every piece of flooring that we own in our inventory. And so Um, when you say lay the flooring, it's this pop lock. Yeah, so these ones are 4x4 sheets. They have some plastic cam locks, so you lay them down and snap, and they snap together. 
um, so it makes one giant solid floor. But this stuff's built for stadium turf, so we had oh. we actually had this flooring down for ten days, and their grass just turned a little yellow. Oh wow! And but I mean, we have some light duty flooring. They make a heavy duty one. You can put a fully loaded semi trailer on this stuff. We were driving our pickups on it. 5,000 pound reach lift forklifts, 45 foot boom lifts. We're driving all that stuff on it and it does just fine. Huh. So keeps it protects the grass from the equipment. Um, and then they brought in a company out of California to, to do carpet and they carpeted every inch of it. They, they, covered, covered, your they covered our, our subflooring that we put down with carpet. Well, I mean, that's just money to burn. Um, so here's the thing: is we're putting in the we're putting down the flooring, we're putting up the tent. These tents are so big. You said how many? Forty thousand? Uh, four, that fourteen thousand? Yeah, fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand. And so these aren't like tents where you can get out there with your buddy and like. No. Uh, you, you pop well, it up and I'll pop it up. You've got to have tractors to lift things no, up. These, these ones require uh, a big, either one big forklift. That particular location has its own problems because everything has to come out through a parking garage. You have to go down three stories in a parking garage. And then out through a door that's only six and a half feet tall. Oh, no. So we have a height restriction. So then we can't get the equipment we normally use out there. So we have to use other equipment. And then instead of one forklift, reach lift, we end up with two to pick, to pick these things up. And so every, it seems like every location that you're going to is just a, it's like a, it's every a puzzle. It's a puzzle every problem. time. Yeah. It's a better, all we ever are trying to do is find a better way to crack the nut to get in and out of places. On my way here, I got a call. I have a tent that's up at uh, the St. Regis Resort. We set up on Tuesday. It's for a wedding this weekend. But we got it up early to get out of somebody else's way so they had enough time to decorate. But they just called me and were like, hey, um, I know you're scheduled to take this down on Monday, but our corporate side booked an event for 200 people in the same spot and they don't want the tent and they need to start setting up for their event at 2 p.m. (laughs) Today? Uh, No, on on Monday. Oh. And it's like, they're like, is that going to be a problem? I'm like, I don't know. Do you care how early we show up? And they're like, well, yeah, we can't have anyone there before 8 a.m. I'm like, well, then that's a problem. Yeah. I'm like, that's a minimum of an eight-hour job if if we have 10 guys on the job. And they're like, oh. I'm like, if we show up at 6, we'll be done. And they go, we'll think about it i'm like what? okay yeah it's not your problem but i'm like so i had to call my my guys that are going to st george call them up call my lead guy i'm like hey by the way this tent's got to be done by two two o'clock we have to be off property on monday and he's like you tell them that's not a thing i'm <laughs> like I, I tell these people all the time and he his big thing our big thing this year we've had several people do it big clients big companies um they just dic- they've been deciding to just dictate how things are going to be done and not best practice and uh, my biggest reason and I figure is they just have uh, what I call fuck you money yeah. and they say fuck you and they're like nope this is what you're going to do it's not meh fuck you and here's like okay huh. crazy it's crazy to have these uh, giant projects with unrealistic timelines now I um, I have had um, on and off throughout my my business career I've had employees and um, I've had different type of people working with me and for me. And it's, I feel like I'm talking a lot here. No, a lot go. no, no, go. Um, the one thing that I see here is that you can't have order takers. 
you have to have some problem solvers because you can't just send up Johnny on the spot and no. say, okay, good luck. No, they have to show up and they have to have the same mentality that you do. And so you have these boys that you've kind of raised, I'm, gonna, I'm air quoting yeah. right now, in um, the industry. Are, they, are some of them more adaptable to that kind of problem solving? Some of them are very adaptable. One of them is great. I had another guy, he's really good. He works part, he actually only comes and works in the summer. He lives up in Washington. But we're actually now we're expanding to Washington because of that. So huh. he's going to take some stuff up with him. But they're both really good at like problem solving on the fly. And I have another, I have other guys that are just order takers, right? And they will ask you everything, and they've been doing it just as long as everyone else. And they're like, "Is this how you want this done?" And like, I don't know how many times have you done it that way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tired of these questions. Quit asking me these questions. And sometimes I just ignore them and walk away. <laughs> no, you you think that until. They don't ask the question, and yeah. they that you, they you actually wanted them it, to wa- it, ask the question. His mentality, he said one day, this is what he told me. He goes, I found I get yelled at less if I do nothing than if I'm doing the wrong thing. So he will sit or stand and do nothing and wait for someone to be like, hey, what are you doing? Go do this. And then he will. And then he trouble. will without, even, without hesitation, and he'll do exactly what you told him to do. No more, no less. But he takes no initiative to be like, oh, uh, I guess I could sweep the floor or I could go put this away. He'll just stand there and he'll come stand next to you. Well, that's him asking for something to do. And he just, he, <laughs> he's actually, there's another employee that he shadows. He'll just follow him around all the time. Because he's always come, looking for and stuff. We call him his shadow and he gets so annoyed. They're really good friends, but they, they work together and they're best friends and they've known each other for. Great team. <laughs> 15, 15 Seek and destroy. plus years, yeah. and it's just like, You got a thinker oh. and a doer. That's yeah. a good combo. Yeah, I'm like, oh. But the thinker gets tired of the thinking of thinking all the time. He's like, why do I have to be in charge? And I tell him now, I'm like, that's what I pay you for. Yeah. 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 I'm like, because I don't want to go to every single job. And I don't want to do me around. every single thing anymore. I'm like, I need people to replace me. So as you're looking for these people, um, the thing that I find interesting is a lot, and especially this age group, um, and I'm, I'm not going to sound like an old guy for a second, but this age group, it's a tough crowd to have them um, show up and shut up and put up. You know what I mean? Like, this, it's time to hustle, boys, and we're going to be working for two days straight. Like, how are you, how are you finding this talent that stayed around as long as it has? Luck. It's all, <laughs> it's it's luck. all luck. It's literally luck. No, we've never had anyone through a job posting or anything. It's always been people we've met on the job. Sometimes we've gotten some temp workers that have worked for us for like six months to a year. Um, Just random things. So my main guys now when we first started, because we were part part of a fireworks company when we first started, was the lady who ran the fireworks company. It was her like neighbor slash best friend's son and his friends. And that's how they started. They were just like they were in the warehouse working. I'm like, hey, you guys are coming with me. And then I've had family members' kids. I've had my own kids now. Um, the lady who runs my office, her son works for me. His best friend, his little brother now works for us. Um, but those guys are the ones you're talking about that I have to have conversations with them all the time. And they're like, oh, I can't get up on time. I'm like, well, don't stay up till 3 a.m. He's like, well, if I go to bed too early, I can't get up. So they'll miss work. Or someone will miss work one day, and I'll call him, and I'll be like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, I was just waiting for someone to tell me what to do. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, no one told me what time to come in. 
I'm like, come to the shop every single day at the same time. He's like, well, no one called me. I'm like, did you call anyone? He's like, no. I'm like, last time. I'm like, this happens again. You don't have a job. And then yes, yesterday, that's what he did. He had got this phone call. I'm like, oh, what's this kid calling me for? He's like, I've called three people and no one answered their phones. I'm like, okay, well, go to the shop. You show up at the same time. That just is a baseline. Don't they go to the shop every day? Uh, well, we have, an, uh, we have a location up in Layden, and then we have uh, our Murray warehouse. And sometimes they'll be up in Layden. They'll meet there and then come down to the Murray warehouse. Um, but, <laughs> yes, everyone comes to work every day. <laughs> what a novel idea. Yeah, so, at the same time? Sometimes they do take trucks and stuff up up to Layden because they'll be doing something in Ogden or Huntsville. So they'll just start from there. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. All right. Well, um, we've got quite this, the, the history here. Now, I'm, we're, we're going to go back in time a little bit. What, what? Well, actually, there's, just, there's so many layers to this that I find fascinating. So you find all these tents and whatnot, and then you bought a you have a tent washing machine, right? Oh, yeah. We just got that this year. It's huge. Have it's, you seen it? I, I've seen a picture of it. I think I could stand in it. Like, it is that big. It's... You can't quite stand up in it. It's like a five-foot diameter drum that's eight-foot deep. Oh, my God. It's like a giant front-loading washing machine. It holds 3,000 square feet of vinyl fabric at a time. Oh, my God. And I think it's roughly, what is it, 300 gallons of water? Per wash, right? Per cycle. So you have a wash and then one to three rinses. Oh my God. And it all has to be, vinyl's very delicate, so if you put too hot in there, it'll bake it, and too cold won't wash it, so you have to have on-demand right. water between 98 and 104 degrees. So how that do you accomplish soak. that? You buy a very expensive on-demand water heater that feeds just that machine. Wow. Amazing. So I've been to your warehouse a couple times, and I've never seen, um, you know... 6,000 barrels. I've never seen these blocks of concrete. Like, are you spread out all over the valley? So, our concrete we store outside. Um, and we have it's waterproof, by the way. Yeah, makes sense. Currently, there's like zero there because it's all out. But normally, we have roughly 250,000 pounds of concrete on, on the property <laughs> at any one time. And how do you, how, what shape are they in? So, about half of it is in uh, these blocks that are two by two. Are they 20 inches by 20 inches by like two foot tall or 28 inches tall? Anyways, that's a 700 pound block and it has a fork pocket in it. So you can pick up four of them at a time with a forklift and move them. And then the rest of it is what they call um, mafia blocks or they call them that. I call them adult Legos. They're either, they're two, they're two foot wide, two foot tall. And then you either get them in three foot or six foot lengths. And they all lock together like a giant concrete oh Lego. Hell. You can build walls or whatever with them. And we just hook a chain through the top and sling them onto the back of the truck. And off you go. Off we go. Hmm. So the, 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 another thing that you need to know about Aaron is he can source just about anything. Yes. I mean, I called him up and I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm throwing a birthday party for my sweet wife. And I'm going to do, it's going to be a, kind of a... Um, like a Mexican birthday party thing. And he's like, oh, I bet I can get my hands on some pinatas. And I'm like, great. That sounds great. That sound awesome. And then I heard from a source that she wanted a bubble machine pumping out bubbles. 
And I mean, totally reasonable birthday party. You know what I mean? Of course. Obviously. So, so we had a DJ there, and it was going to be a great party. We, it was going to be catered. And um, he pulls up in this trailer and uh, opens up the back, and um, there's an eight foot tall. Harold. Harold, <laughs> the eight foot tall donkey. It's got a name. And um, it's surprisingly light for an eight foot tall donkey. And so he just throws it on his shoulder, and he's coming around the house just like we're carrying this giant pinata and I called him and I said hey do you do you have a bubble machine he's like no I don't have one of those and then like 20 minutes later he's like I've got one of those he comes over and it's not just a bubble machine it's like this turbo (laughs) build the backyard completely full of bubbles with colorful (laughs) special soap that's colorful bubbles um cranking out and he's just over there pouring in gallons of of bubble making solution and um I'm always fascinated with with how you can get, your, can get your hands on things or how you can find a good deal. How do you do that? Like, what's the magic in sourcing these things? I've been the person that can find things my entire life. Um, started when I was a kid. I used to just, like, I would have pages earmarked in the yellow pages. I would go through, and if I couldn't find, like, look something up, I couldn't find it. I would just keep calling places, and I'd be like, oh, you don't have that? Do you know who does? And so I always knew where to find everything. And so I've been doing that. And then some of it's just, you see things when you're driving around. Um, now it's about all about the people that I know. So like Harold, uh, the pinata, the pinata <laughs> is owned by Mill Creek city. Um, which is, a brand, which, is which is a brand new city this year, by the way, they're building a whole town center and whatever city hall, uh, city yeah. hall turns out the event planner in charge of all their events is someone who knows me. They wanted to work with us. We went and did a Cinco de Mayo thing for them. I saw this giant donkey and I was like, I'm like, what do you guys do with that? They're like, Oh, we put it in storage. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, could I, could I rent that from you or borrow it for, I told them and they're like, yeah, you just can't break it. So I just go to their storage unit and pick it up. No kidding. Just randomly <laughs> take it back. And actually this fall they're doing another event and they're going to break it. They're going to fill it full of candy, hang, no it for, hang it from a boom in their city park, and break it open. There's and no way that thing can hold candy. That would hold like 3,000 pounds of candy. It you is, probably can't fill it full. Yeah. I mean, you can put some serious candy in yeah, there, though. It's I mean, huge. I put like 80 pounds of candy in the other pinata. Yeah. Give you guys. It was almost yeah. too I, heavy to carry. We still have bowls of that around the house. <laughs> I Please. still have a bowl of that. <laughs> <laughs> Please come and get some. Uh, so I've uh, really shifted over the, you know, um, Google that to air that I uh Aaron that that makes if, sense if I need to know like just the most random like do you know a guy that's interested in buying a giant deep freeze and freezer yes I do I've got a guy that can do that do you know a guy that yes I got a guy well what I'm amazed with is it it actually goes a step further than that you actually were telling me that like you've got these paddle boards right yeah but you actually know how to go in and read the manifest to find where they actually came from oh, and back sourcing yeah so Please explain this. I'm morbidly curious. So there is, I think it's a regular app now you can get, but there was a beta app that I got years ago that anything that's imported to the country is all public record. There's just never been a good way to search it. Now there's a couple ways to go back and search. So you can look up any manufacturer of anything, and as long as they're bringing it into the country under that name, you can go find it. You can be like, hey, this company, you know, this is where they make this. You know, like, I want to know where this company makes a paddleboard. So I look up that company and I'm like, oh, this is where they're getting, from this company, they're getting the paddleboards. And then you can 
click links on that and get their contact information or just the name of it and look it up and get in contact with that company and be like, hey, I'm interested in such and such product and they'll send you a product catalog and be like, yeah, I would like this, but with this design. And they go, yep, we can do that. And some of it's done like that. Uh, Some of my sourcing is through contacts that I have in China from, we went, we went to China to find our, our big tent we bought in China and it was a, it's a 30,000 square foot tent. Oh. Uh, we, that would be a mansion, Rob. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's yeah. the tent two, that used, two, mans- two mansions. We used it one year for the Greek festival and then COVID happened and nothing. We, they didn't do it for a year. Can I just have a, what's a, what's a 30,000 foot tent run these days? Uh, that's about $170,000 there. You buy a stateside probably half million dollars oh, for that time that's un- that's an unfurnished tent by the way now yeah. here comes the, <laughs> yeah right here comes the sad part of this is in the process of all the places we've had our buildings and all the places we've stored stuff we moved two-thirds of that tent was on one trailer we just bought it the trailer we moved it to a storage yard in hooper and it sat there and it sat there and it was COVID, and no one was doing anything, and it sat there. And then one day we went to go get something else out of the storage yard, and I'm looking through these other racks of poles and different things, and one of my guys is like, hey, where's the trailer? And the trailer had been gone long enough that the weeds had grown up, and you couldn't tell oh, that there was something oh no. missing. And you're just like, oh. So we lost two-thirds of this tent at once, like of the frame. So now we're down to like one third of it we have a little bit more but it's it's so sad that it happened um but yeah so we don't know so if someone somebody... wanted the it's all a big aluminum square tubing so we don't know if someone wanted the aluminum or they wanted the trailer but we haven't been able to find either one in two years oh no we checked every single scrapyard, but we didn't know if it had been gone a month six months yeah. nine months we hadn't been there we're just like oh found the lock that we had on the trailer sitting in the weeds so they cut the lock off hooked up to this trailer drove off with grief five thousand pounds of aluminum piping or some uh let's see that's thirty thousand square feet it's gonna be a little bit more now like like eighteen thousand pounds of aluminum on that trailer oh that's that's like gold yeah so if you scrapped it a buck a pound which aluminum's generally over that you know, $18,000 in scrap. Jeez. Trailer was $15,000 for that oh my God. brand new 40-foot gooseneck. And two-thirds of a $100,000 tent. Yeah, two-thirds of a $100,000 tent gone. So here we have these, um, and, I'll, and I, see, I see this in great businesses and, um, and terrible businesses and businesses in between. There's always something, there's always some catastrophic events that happen that could just really knock you in the dirt, can really drive you down. How do you, um, how, what's your workaround? How do you stay up? Uh, that was actually pretty positive. I, I just have this, had this mind shift a few years ago where I decided I was only going to worry about the things I could do something about. And if you can't do anything about it, don't worry. Because I, I used to go to bed and all I would do would be dream of work and this and that, and I'd toss and turn, and finally I just have to, I had to find a way to get my brain to shut off, to be like, hey, you're not at work. There's nothing you can do about it. Just go to sleep. And I've been sleeping peaceful ever since. But I, you transfer that to your 
time when you're awake and it's great you know there's not enough money for this and like oh these trucks broke down and my employees are like oh they're garbage let's throw them away i'm like let's see what it's going to cost to fix it first what's the big deal it's a broken down truck yes it's an inconvenience did someone you love die no No. like there's so many worse things than all these little things i just stopped worrying about it all makes it real easy to pivot and keep talking about that like it's it's easy to say that it's easy to be like only worry about the things you have control over that's a mindset you're most of us in this world are habitual worriers like we either spend time in the past and we beat ourselves up. I wish I would have said this. I could have done this. I should have done it differently. Or we spend time in the future and we're super anxious. What if, and oh my God, what if the, the world comes to the end? And what if Trump gets elected? And what if the thing, it's just like nonstop. And we're, it's, a, it's a habit that we're in because of the way that the information is presented to us all the time. So I'm speaking from myself. I'm a habitual worrier. I spend a lot of time in the future. It's not what you're saying. No kidding. No, no shit. Be, be worried about the problems that you have. can do anything about. But how? How do you do that? Like, what's the mechanics? It goes beyond that. I think the biggest step in that was making a, a mental shift to realize that I have no competition in this world. The only person I'm competing to or should be comparing myself to was the person I was the day before. So if I'm continually trying to be better and do better and get more and all this, I just go, huh, am I doing better today than I was yesterday? Yeah, and if the answer is ever no, you're like, okay, well, what do I need to do to at least get back to where I was yesterday? And you make that shift. And it doesn't matter what you're doing or you're doing or anyone else is doing. I'm not concerned with how much money anyone makes, what stuff they have. I used to be. I used to be like, I want that stuff or I want this. Yeah. But in making that mind shift change, it's getting me to a place where now I'm like, huh, I'll be doing something and sitting around and going, I always wondered what it was like to be the people that sat here. And somehow we're the people sitting here right here now. Here I sit, yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. I love that. All right, so I'm a big believer in the three the, uh, the three thieves of happiness, um, and I concentrate on these things. I'm co- very intentional about it, and that's the CCJ. Have I talked about this with you before? A little bit, yeah. You've introduced this this weekend. Uh, compare, criticize, and judge. And so you've eliminated comparison in your life. I'm not going to compare myself to them. You know, the, he has a nice yard with a nice swimming pool. That's not what I'm after. I'm after just appreciating what I have. This, this is what I have and, and staying in that place. So let's go to that. How do we um, how do we keep our mind from comparing? Like that's that's also a habit. How do I stay stay away from that? It's hard. <laughs> it's just it takes practice. You just I don't know. Um, so it's, you have to have painful change in your life to make changes. So something painful or traumatic has to happen to you for you to make true change and give you true motivation, some to, something to redefine your perspective of this world. Sure. Mine was, I've experienced a lot, a lot of loss in my life. Um, I lost both my parents way too early. I was 20 years old when my dad passed away, uh, 37. So when my mom passed away, she passed away a couple, two years ago. So oh, I'm sorry, you're 39 now. But I mean, that's really... I sat the last few months of her life with her and she had cancer that literally is horrible. It's a 
she had melanoma. She had a mole on her arm, on the inside of her arm right here. And she's like, hmm, I should probably go. That one looks weird. I'm going to go get that one checked out. So they biopsied it like they'd done other ones before, except for this one came back as melanoma. So then they inject dye, and they're like, oh, it's in these eight lymph nodes. Okay. And they remove those, and then it just goes on from there. But literally a mole, and two years into the process of her thinking she was doing okay, it got into her brain. And they literally said, yeah, all these treatments, you can just stop. So we spent the last couple months of her life just going over everything and made me really focus on what was important. And the not caring what people had comes a lot from trying to clean out this house that she'd been in for 25 years. And it's like, no one wants any of this shit. It's just shit. It's just shit. And I mean, we have, we have family stuff that's, 10 generation old furniture I mean we had a we had a Victorian style couch that was from the Victorian era oh well and so it's like but where does that go in today where I don't have a sitting room yeah I have a fully furnished house I'm like what do I do with this and then it's like I can't just like DI it can I and it's like at what point does all that stuff matter and it's like okay what's really sentimental to you like what reminds you of that person and you keep some things and you end up keeping too much stuff and then you just have more shit. I end up with a storage unit full of f- family furniture that all has stories behind it. It's like this this person bought it for their husband on their wedding day in you know 1816 and here's the receipt where they paid 72 cents. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, that means nothing to me. Right. Antique Roadshow. <laughs> You'd shut that place down. That'd be amazing. We have a, we have a bunch of stuff like that. So it was just like, why? Like, but I mean, but then you're like, okay, my parents read books, two huge bookcases filled with several hundred books. It's like, what do you do with them? We tried donating them places. And they're like, no. We tried to have used book place place come out, and we're like, we'll donate them to you. They'd never come out. We ended really? up finally just sending them to the DI. There was like a DVD collection. We tried giving that to their retirement home. And they're like, no, everything's digital. We don't need that. And it's just all crap. So all of a sudden you're like, and then you start looking around your own place. And you're like, what kind of crap? And then all of a sudden you're like, huh. Like, what crap inside me is that same way? What can, I start, what can I start eliminating that it doesn't matter? You start thinking about if you die today, how are they going to remember you? You know, what, what really matters at that point? Who's showing up to your funeral? What are your kids going to do? And that's it. Like, so everything I do now is to make sure that if I were to pass away today, my kids are taken care of, my wife's taken care of, and they're not going to give two shits. They're not going to want money or cars or houses. They want, they want you. They want, they want you. you. Yeah. So that drives doing more, you know, spending t- more quality time with the family and the people you care about, which also then you sort through, same thing with friends, and be like, which one of these friends are just the crap in my life? That They're there, and I wanted them there, and they're there, but in the end, it's like, why? Why are they there? What value do they provide? 
yeah or do I provide them like what's what is what's the exchange of energy here in this relationship it, it becomes very important I, I had this epiphany when I turned 50 and it changed my business it changed my personal life it changed a lot of things so it's interesting to hear you young man saying <laughs> this that in your 30s you're having this kind of this waking up of like what what matters what am I going to spend my life doing because I only have so many summers left I only have so many opportunities to have that Christmas morning with that little girl do you know what I mean there's yeah it gets to be very finite when you start to take off the glasses of like I'm, I'm spending all my life at work or I'm spending all my life serving people that don't care if I'm serving them like I'm spending all this energy exactly um, and so I, f I find that fascinating and I love that perspective we've had this talk before and it always brings me back to remembering that I was sitting on the beach where I had this moment of like what the heck am I doing with my life and I really do appreciate that I, that's the year I went and got my tattoos I have here and now tattooed on my arms to remind me because I spend so much time in these places that don't matter they're irrelevant the yeah. only thing that matters right now is the conversation that I'm having with you and I have to be here for that I have to be fully here and when I can do that my life becomes much happier and, and oh, yeah. better I like the perspective of of who I guess you would call it legacy is the word that we would use like how will this affect my family and uh, my wife and my yeah. children like what is what really matters in in their life and it's not stuff it's time and so um, a busy man like you you've got your fingers in all these different businesses you've got websites going here and there and you're setting up tents and driving for long hours how do you create balance in your life schedules i used to be horrible about schedules and i hated them and i'm like i don't want to have set things planned i like being spontaneous i think that's better no we just schedule everything now every wednesday night my wife and i go on a date we've been doing that for two and a half years now i've adopted this practice by the way like yeah but you need to hone in on a day right. <laughs> you do the all same right. day all right you do the same day every week we know my children know and now we do every other week we do so twice a month we do uh date nights with the kids and we switch up so you get one of us takes one kids one takes the other and the kids plan it to do whatever they want to do so well, you get to know them oh, that's better. a good that's idea a so idea. it's just more and more time so we do that every other week and then we try to do at least one thing as a family every every month where we get together and go do something huh as a family just a planned night and so we know like Tuesday nights are this, you know, Thursday nights I go to the gym, <laughs> Saturdays we go to the gym, like everything's got a time and a place. And I'm like, all of a sudden that schedule's filling up and all, if once you see it filling up and you're like, hmm, I like my free time, what needs to go? What is not important on this list? And sometimes it's, well, if I get up earlier or if I go to bed earlier or whatever. And then life happens, and you really have to, you have to pivot and adjust. Yeah, we need this tent set up by tomorrow, for gosh sakes. We need to have this delivery done be, by... Yeah, continually yeah. I am on the phone. People call me, whatever. It'll be Sunday evening or Monday night or whatever, not normal business hours. I just call my guys up. I'm like, hey, I know this sucks, but this is what we got to do. I would hate to have but the, Sunday night see... Aaron calling me at 7.30 oh, no. at night. Oh, no. The only reason they'll do it without me now is because for the first seven years of this, if something needed to get done, I was like, come on, let's go do it. 
and I, they know that I will never ask them to do something I'm not willing to go do myself with them. Like, I'll go with them if I need to. Yeah, and you do. But now they've adopted the mentality of, he's the boss. He doesn't need to be here. Like, we can we, handle this. We should be able to handle this on our own. That's awesome. <laughs> How many years did that take? Seven. 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 Seven Just years. happened last week. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I actually, um, so I've known you for... It's been over a year now. No, not yet. Has it been a year yet that I've known? No. You guys met in October, right? Shanna met you guys in October. <laughs> I didn't meet you guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. So. How's that for a 10-month wild ride? I feel like I've known you for way longer than 10 months. That's awesome. Um, so in this 10 months, um, you guys, and I'm not trying to take us to Thanksgiving's Heroes, but there's times with Thanksgiving's Heroes where I'm, I just throw out my hands and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And um, I've got friends that I call. Aaron, you've become one of those friends that I call. And I'm just like, I've got this problem. And you either know a solution or you are the solution. And your schedule is already packed. You're, you're always packed. And so the, the thing that I really admire about you is like, I got this. And you make it work. You make time for it to work and to, to donate or volunteer your time to a, a cause that you've, you came through one time last year. Why are you so readily available to jump in on a cause that... My trick to that is to always appear that you have twice as many things to do in a day as you have time to do it. So when things get rearranged, people understand. And I've been that way for years. Now I have a full day's worth of stuff. And sometimes I have a half day's worth of stuff. Which is only 12 hours. Which is only 12 hours. And most people who I work with and know, they know I'm always on the phone, I was doing whatever. They just assume that I have way more going on than I do. And I, re I mean, I do have a lot of other stuff going on. I am a, a super busy. But it allows me to do things like, okay, this day I need to be done at noon because I'm going to go help these people feed. Feed 300 families because... I feel I need some good karma in this world. I did my, I was not the best child. I did some not so good things in my youth and uh, I feel there's karmic balance. And I've always had the mentality in my adult years of do what you can when you can. And I explain that to my children. So like if we can do something, we can donate our time, we can donate money, we can do whatever. And for years, I have a friend and she's, she lives a life of service. Um, because that's how she's a recovering alcoholic. She's like 15 years sober. Wow. Oh, well. And uh, to the point of her alcoholism went, uh, she started doing cocaine so she could drink more and oh. keep her awake. Well, that makes sense. So yeah. then, you, then she had a coke problem after that. So that, that's when you really have a drinking problem is when you're doing coke. To, to support. To keep to drinking. To keep drinking because she liked drinking so much. Well, part of her sobriety is she feels she needs to be of service and she's always trying to help you know women who are leaving abusive relationships you know sub for santas whatever she always has some service project going like this last weekend she was driving around with a cooler that she borrowed from me handing out cold water bottles to homeless people because that's what she wanted to do huh. but she always has stuff and always has needs so i was just i would always donate money and i told her i'm like the money's the easy part it's like actually doing the work is the hard part like you know donating money to feed families that's 
write a check, here's some cash, whatever. But actually showing up on the day to deliver food or pack boxes, that requires the real commitment. That's where I get it now is that's where I get my sense of service is showing up. I mean, and if it's not directly for those families, showing up for you and you need someone to show up, I'm going to show up. Yeah. I feel there's a finite amount of people you can have in your life that truly will show up for you. I mean, how many people, if you got a call at 2 a.m., how many people would you answer that phone call? If you looked at your caller ID at 2 a.m. of, you know what, I've got a thousand contacts on my phone, like five. Yeah. There's like five people that they call me at 2 a.m. I'm like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you pick it up. What you need? Yeah. Oh, you, you need me to come get you? Okay. And I'm anyone, on my way. I'm on my way. And you only have so many of those people. So when they ask, you go. Right. Because at one, you, know, you never know when you're going to need to ask. Yeah. And yep. you hope that those same people will be there for you. 100%. They might not. You never know. But that's a chance I'm willing to take. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's important. I feel as we've grown, um, as I've grown older in my life, you know, growing up, you have your tribe, you got your little herd of dudes that you're rolling with, and then you get into junior high or high school and you got your little, your clique of guys. Then you get older and you get out and you get a job, you start having a family. And sometimes you find a crowd at church or you'll find a crowd at your bowling league or your, or maybe it's your motorcycle network crowd there you go. or it's just becomes more and more difficult to have that tribe of men mm-hmm. that are your go-to guys. Like I, if I got that phone call from this, this tribe of men, I would absolutely pick up the phone and um, I would pick up the phone with like, what do you need? It wouldn't be like, why are you bothering me? Cause I know you're not going to call me in the middle of the night to waste my time. If right. it's a midnight call, it means something, it something means needs something's going yeah, down right. and that's the way I'm going to answer the phone. Like, what can I do? Right. But that's, it's an interesting thing that that group has grown to this finite crowd of, of, uh, of real, true, true, yeah. meaningful friends. That's powerful. That, that is your new tribe. Like, that right. is your true tribe. Yeah. And you find those people. And for the longest time, I always, uh, there's this phrase of, um, you know, there's something along the lines of, like, wanting to, a seat at the table. You want a seat at the table. You want a seat at the table. And so you're like, I want to be there. I want to be there. But the mind shift that really changes your life is when you go, I don't want to sit at that table. I'm going to start my own table. Yeah. And the way I'm going to get people to come to my table is I'm going to shine my light so bright that they can't help but see me. And they're like, oh, I want to go see what that guy's doing. Yeah. And people become attracted to you. They're just like, oh, you know, they're pulled in. They can't help it. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a huge shift in mentality when it's no longer like, how, what can I do to um, add? How can I get to be a part of that? How can I get to be a part of it? And then you start to become the attractor. I'm, I only want people in my life who are bringing the same level of energy and intensity yeah. and um, that drive for success, that drive for improvement. My only competition is Rob yesterday. And am I better than that? I love that mentality. That is a frequency that is rare, but as you, as I put it out there, as I'm in my life, as I'm putting it out there, it's amazing to me who I attract into my life and also who I repel. There's people that can't take that. They can't stand in the kitchen because the heat's too hot. But then there's other people that are like, oh, turn up the stove, baby, this is my place. And it's interesting how those people show up all of a sudden in volume 
um, good people. The, the world is clear full of it. You just have to be putting out the vibe of what it is you want. No longer do mm -hmm. I, I want to be a part of, I want to attract into. Well, one of the best that parts about that is, is once you get to that, no one else is my competition thing, is you are then able to celebrate everyone else's victories. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. honestly, and not feel, not be like, Man, man be like, man, like I wish that. I had that. Yeah, that lucky guy. You come to me and tell me you sell eight houses this month, and I'm like, oh, I know what that means. And then I'm like, am I anything but just happy? No, I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, because I'm over here doing my own thing that no one else is doing. I'm like, well, that's I'm super happy you're doing great. You know? I love that. So I feel like um, one of the things that gives you power, my friend, is your ability, number one, to stay in your lane. Like, I'm happy to do what I'm doing, and this is what I'm doing, and I appreciate what you're doing. I want to bring you into my world, but you know what you're good at, and you're the best there is at it. And the second thing is is that you don't have that comparison where it's just like no one can compare to you because of who you are and your family and your circumstances and your background. There's some serious power in that. So I feel like you've got this mindset of just attraction and power that makes it so it's easy for you to say, well, why not? So we need we need an extra 50 tents in Ohio. Okay, let's, why not? Let's figure that out because there's no, there's no limits on your thinking. There, there is no limits. It doesn't, I mean, anything comes down to a few simple things. And one is finances on it. What does it take to financially do that? That's numbers, that's math, simple, right? Right. The logistics of how to get something done, where to find something, that's simple. Sometimes sourcing labor to do stuff or Anymore. whatever the problem is, that's a little harder. But if you break it down into those simple things, you don't look at it as like this grand project. Everything's simple and there's really, all the time, I, I have that mentality. I'm like, why can't I do that? Give me a reason why I can't. Like, and someone will come up with a, well, this is why you shouldn't do that. And you're like, well, what if I did it this way instead? And then they go, well, that solves that problem. And you're like, okay. You just have to be able to adapt, pivot, you know, and not take anything, not take it personally. If something that you're trying to do doesn't, doesn't work, uh, I don't ever consider anything a failure. I just, call it a learning experience so, very Taoist right, of you. you it is not good it is not bad it just is it now was well and the that comes from this mentality of fail fast the faster you fail the faster you learn the you can do you might have to fail 10 times at something before you figure out the right way i've done it i've failed all those late nights the working 40 hours straight the system i put in place failed horribly and we're like okay well, next year we're going to do something different this yeah. time. Oh, that one just went worse. Can't do that again. And reverse and pivot. Let's try it again. Yeah. I'm like, and, okay, let's reset. Let's think, let's go back to this other way. And, oh, this one works pretty good. Now, how can we improve upon that for next year? And how right. can we keep improving? All right, so we've talked a lot about business. We've talked a little bit about family and a little bit about your background. Since I've known you, um, there's been two major shifts that I really want to talk about just in these past 10 months. <laughs> it does feel like a long time, yeah. doesn't it? It's a when, lifetime. When we talk about these things, this is like a lifetime conversation. No, it's a 10-month conversation <laughs> this is, with this guy. It is. It's been an... 
my life in the last 10 months has changed in ways I didn't even know were possible. And I've made mental growth and personal growth that I didn't know. I did, like things that I didn't know wrong. And that has translated into my business has just totally taken off. And the huge part about that is stepping out of your own way. Go into that. Um, what's the phrase I use? Help me out here, Rob. What what is the phrase I'm looking for? Oh, man, you've got some good ones. Um, I try to remember. It's like getting out of your own way. Um, oh, I'll think of it at some point. But essentially, it's you or what if? Oh, it's good to great. Good to great. That's what it is. So the enemy of great is good. If yeah. you have a good life and you are content with how it's going, do you want to make changes? Not really, because everything's good. Yeah, you want great. But everything's but, pretty good. But you get content. You get complacent. So to get great, you have to give up good. You have to step away from your good life, your good work, whatever. And you have to do scary shit that you didn't think was really possible to get to that great point and then you're like oh shit but like in business there's things of I used to control every aspect of my business and then I thought well, shit my business is good I'm trying to go for great what if the thing that's standing in my way is me what if I'm the roadblock what if everything bottlenecks to me and I only have so many hours in the day and I can only do so much so being able to delegate stuff out to other people, like I have a friend of mine who I've hired, contracted to design our show. She's designing it. She's selling off old stuff. She used to be in the event business, so she knows a bunch of people. So she's selling off all the old stuff, helping me out with inventory, designing a showroom, helping me create a venue in my building. And I've just been like, she'll just be like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, go for it, go for it. like. This is what it's going to cost. I'm like, yep, go. But I didn't have to do any of the research. It's just having that, being able to trust people to do things, which is really hard to be able to trust people. But that's the same thing of going, hmm, can I do this? And then you do it once. And you're like, then the next thing happens. And you're like, so pretty soon you're like, anytime something comes up, you're like, can I do it? I'm like, yeah, of course I can do it. I can do whatever. But being able to trust people to do things, same thing. You trust the first person. That's the hardest. Generally, they screw you over. And you have to be willing to take that step and keep going. Try again. Try, try again. again. So the, where I was going is because your business is is amazing. Things the way that you ebb and flow through these problems, figuring things out. Since I've known you, you got married. Yeah. To the love of your life, beautiful big magic. She's a Ooh, yeah. She's a an amazing, um, powerful source, and so. Um, as a single man, I can see you pouring into the business. You got nothing else to do anyway. You might as well be getting up and going to bed and yeah. eating it, sleeping it, thinking about it. But now you have this new dynamic in your life of big magic. And I call her big magic because she's big magic. She, that's, that's her nickname for me. And um, you, she should be around this girl. She is, she can, she's a good like counterpoint to this tornado of awesome that's rolling she down is, the street. She is my rock. She does. She, she grounds me. It's, it's great. Um, you talk about this so oddly enough 
I've run multiple businesses. They've always gone good to a certain point. I've sold them off or just let them kind of die out. I've worked for other people, worked for myself, been bouncing back and forth for years. Um, I was actually working for an auction company, inspecting equipment, traveling the country for the first two years that her and I were dating. So you were never home. So I was home. I was spending 180 nights a year in hotels. I was home maybe four months out of the year. Oh, wow. So that happens. And I lost that job. And this tent, this tent, position, tent company comes up. So she's been with me since I started it. But this is really why this has been able to happen. And I credit it all to her. If your home life is taken care of, and you're happy and everything's secure and you're not worried about what this crazy girl at home is gonna do if like you're not like hmm if i'm gone for a week is she gonna burn down my house yeah. or like you throw my shit away all your accounts are empty and she's is, in the bahamas is she gonna <laughs> show up somewhere that i'm where i'm at freaking out because i haven't been home for 18 hours no she she understands so having that balance has allowed me to do whatever because i'm like I don't have to worry about that anymore. If I'm not home, I know she's there. She can help out with the kids. She loves the kids. They love her. It's I know they're taken care of, so I don't have to worry about my kids. I don't worry about her. So then it's like, well, what do I need? Now I can worry about the business. Not There's nothing that stands in the way because you know at the end of the day you go home and you have a good place to go. Yeah. If you're When you're by yourself, it's like it's one thing you go home, but going home to a real home with a family changes it gives you that purpose yeah. like this is why I'm doing this I'm building this because of my family oh, man. so and all of it I'm building all of this stuff for her or from with her because of her being that's how we ended up with a paddleboard company was she's like it'd be kind of cool we could have paddleboards and I went alright let's figure that out let me figure that out and in a short time frame figured it out you know you you could have just gone down and bought a couple of paddle boards for you guys to do it you didn't have to buy this is actually how it started <laughs> is we couldn't find paddle boards and finally this company this local company uh it's a race shop uh they they got some paddle boards in and we went and bought two took them out to the lake and opened them up and i was like huh i'm like these are pretty shitty like, I'm like, these are pretty cheap. I'm like, I guarantee this shit was built in Taiwan or China or somewhere. I'm like, I bet you I can find these things for cheaper. And that's what I did. I went to work and I'm like, I found them at East. I was sitting on the beach at East Canyon Reservoir under a tent. I found them on my phone. And I was like, hmm, found like six different companies I liked and started doing research. And two weeks later, I had sample boards ordered up. And a month after that, we had our business launched, a logo, designs, and our own boards in production. And they're nice. Wild. They are nice. I, I've got a couple that we uh, take out, and they are they're a good time. So, huh. yeah. Um, okay, so here we have the love of our life in place. We've got this amazing business, crack a lacking. And um, one of the things that she's brought into your life, and I, I think this is the way it is. I, I haven't known you for more than 10 months, so what do I know? <laughs> But um, there's this level of uh, dimension, I should say, of spirituality that has come into your life that you have yeah. talked about in detail. Like, let's talk about that. Like, what's happening that 
where you're actually traveling at a higher level of consciousness now. That has been a crash course. Total crash course in all of this. Um, so, yeah. She got... She's always been connected with things and she's known like known things but in October she met a powerful group of women and they were on a retreat and she had some experiences that changed her life and made her realize all of these things that she hadn't realized before she hadn't been able to figure out in 40 plus years of her life and I was like I'm down I'm like, I I could do that. And she's like, well, I've been doing all this spiritual stuff for years on the side before this happened. And I'm like, I, th- I think I'm ready. Like, I'll, let me see. And that's where it started. I had my own, own literally experience. The closest thing I can come to is touching God, meeting God. Like, it made me think in that moment. The things that I saw inside my own brain were so beautiful that, like, this could be heaven. And then I went, huh. I'm like, so if there is a god or a powerful entity or someone, deity, whatever, which I believe there is, what else? What else is possible? How far does this rabbit hole go? And I'm like, I want to see what else is in my brain. I want to see what is going on in here. And I want to learn as much about myself as possible. So the, spir- awesome. the spiritual awakening is it comes into your life now. You've got this amazing business. You've got this amazing partner. Um, you've had this, these experiences with uh, mom and dad and growing up and all these things. The spirituality, what has that added to your life as you are going down that rabbit hole? Like, Tell me about like the texture or... Like what, what, what changes have you made personally? Well, I mean, even before this really happened, it started with, really started when my mom passed away. I started thinking more and more about it. Like I'd had some of these similar thoughts when I was 20, but I was a kid. I was 20 years old when my dad passed away and I was just like, oh, I'm like, and for years I'd always had these dreams that he didn't die he just run off and had another family somewhere. And this is, you know, justifying all this stuff. And you're like, okay. Then my mom passed away. I was just like, okay. I'm like, and I was like, am I really going to see her again? Like, will I ever get to meet her again? Will I see her again? I don't know. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say. So you just start, I started shifting more and more to that, towards that. But then it also made me realize that who do you want to spend the rest of your life? Like, what's important? At that point, I was like, well, she's important to me. And I want, like, we talked about never getting married. And then it came up where it was like, I want to get married. I'd never had a reason to get married before. And I'd never been married. And it just occurred one day. I was like, yeah. And like a truth, it, I mean, it hit me one day and I've had a couple of revelations like that where it's just like these thoughts hit you and you nothing could be truer you believe in the deepest depths of your body that this is an absolute and to have those moments that's what really changes we've had all sort I've had multiples of these moments where it just changed your life course you're going down this way and all of a sudden I'm like 
Oh, we're getting married. Yep, this is what we're doing. Now we're going this way. You know? March, we decided we were going to have a baby. You know, da Her, my, well, currently, my youngest child is 15, and her youngest child is 22. Her oh oldest is 25. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So she has a 22-year-old daughter and a 25-year-old son. That's wild. I've got my my three boys. Youngest but one's 15. This isn't some fly-by-the-night type of thing here. You, you went and got no. the reverse snip oh, and all of yeah. it. So same thing. Had this moment of clarity, and it was, you want to have a baby? And I'm like, no, you don't want to have a baby. What the hell would you want to have a baby? That's a horrible plan. Nope, nope. And I saw it. Saw every bit of it. I saw her with our daughter. I called out her name. And so that was March. We're July now. I was able to get everything ready for my health-wise and had a vasectomy reversal and recovered from that. And we are actively trying to get pregnant at the moment. Full systems go. All the bruising. Full systems go. Healed up, ready to run. Bruising's gone. Yeah, we've been good for a couple weeks. Um, not supposed to be, but we are there. Everything good. The last stitch fell out the other day. Perfect. I'm good to go. <laughs> Just got to worry about all the stubble that grows back in. Yeah, nothing itches like a, yeah. a fuzzy hacky sack. So I said it. It was yep. also a name of my band in high school. Nice. But, <laughs> Uh, so the reason that I brought that up is these levels of uh, awareness or consciousness as you are coming up. And you said you were 38 now? 40? 39. 39. So these levels of consciousness as you're going through your life, like there's this awareness of like, oh, I can, I, I'm good at figuring problems out. I'm, I'm really, and as we grow, as we move forward, I can see these levels of consciousness happening in your life. Even in the past 10 months, I've seen them just like, the just boom 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 these things are happening so quickly do you feel like you're ever overwhelmed with all these things that are happening no it's where i thrive is in the chaos full throttle the chaos going forward and just being able to stay steady steady at the helm just be like hey we're going forward this is what we're doing throw at me whatever you may but this is what's going to happen i'm going to deal with anything you can throw at me because this is where we're going so the, the where I'm going with this question is now you are 38. If you could go back 10 years, 28, and there sits young 28-year-old Aaron at the bar. <laughs> 28-year-old Aaron was at the bar. Was at the bar. <laughs> was, was living that life. You could pull this kid aside and you could get grab him by the nose and say, listen, punk, what advice would you give him? What would I actually listen to? No, no. Um, Let's just pretend like you're listening. Yeah. What I would listen. I would tell them all the things I've learned in the past two years about what's really important. I would try to explain that. I would want them, I would want my younger self to know, like, you know, stop chasing this. Because is this really important? Is this where you want to be in 10 years? Is this where you want to be in... Do you see this as a long-term future for your life? And at the time, I did. It's the, going to the bar was great. Picking up girls, doing whatever. Crazy stories. But is that really what you want? No, you really want a family. You really want to settle down. You ever going to meet those girls in a bar? No. 
kind of, I mean, it's how I end up with my wife is I didn't meet her, but I met her sister, sister. And, a, and a cousin at the bar and I became really good friends with her sister. And years later, like four years later, she moved back to Utah from Texas and that's how we met. It's wild. So I know that there's, um, in my life, there has to be a time, there has to be some stacking. Like I, I had to be that 28 year old kid to be the 38 year old kid to be the 48 year old kid. There's, yeah. yeah, it has to happen that way. You have to have those experiences. Or you can't hear it. You can't hear the message. You said that, like, yeah. what would I hear? Um, if you could then say, all right, so here's what I've learned. Like, um, I'm going to ask for a piece of advice in um, your personal life which was, is this what you really want? So what I'm hearing you say is getting clear about getting clear. Yeah. Getting clear. Um, the, the business advice, what business advice would you give yourself? Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Trust the error. Trust that you can do it. That's about, that's beautiful actually. And yeah, that's, that's where you're at. Problem is, is that I think back to it, and if I would want to give myself any advice, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to give my younger self an ounce of advice. I wouldn't want to change anything because I love where I'm at today. Wow. And the only way I got here today was by going through every shitty thing I dealt with to get here. And if any of those change, that puts me on a different path. And that's not where I want to be. Okay. All right. So then let's jump into the future now a little bit. Um, as Am I doing okay? You're doing awesome. <laughs> if we could jump into the future now, we're talking to uh, 48-year-old Aaron. That guy's sitting across yeah. the table. He's got a few more gray whiskers. He's got that little baby girl who's now, let's say she's eight or nine. or yeah. she's, she's, she's like know, nine. Yeah. Yeah. She'll, be nine. She'll be nine years old. You've got this little person that's running around that totally is ruling the roost. Of course. Um, what would you want? Like if you could say in 10 years – if I could have the one thing in the business, one thing in my spiritual life, the one thing in my personal life, like that's, where do you see yourself in that 10 year period? Having, having our daughter be here, be nine years old, be truly amazing. Like that, that makes me excited just even thinking about that. Like, that's crazy. I'm super excited. I wasn't excited to be a dad the first time. So I'm super excited this this time like the ideas it's a lucky little girl it's lucky i'm like super excited i'm in a way better place in my life um so she'll have a totally different life than my children right do now um business wise honestly i hope to be out of the business that i'm in in 10 years this is the longest i've ever been doing the same thing in my entire life so what is it what's the thing you could do like money's not an option anymore like it's not a problem you have this you have this huge volume this library of experience and knowledge what is what, what would you do i have to create that is what i do i'm a creator i generate things i have to i have to create so it doesn't matter what aspect it is it's whether it's physically building something or you know building a business figuring out all those steps if i'm not problem solving my brain gets angry okay all like right it has to be doing something so you're looking you're just looking for this new the new next the new it's next always i've always got one more thing going on and it's like depends on how much how challenging it is is how much time it gets huh. all right so 
All right, and then so now we've got your uh, your business, you're a business developer, you're an entrepreneur, you're looking, you're, you're like the Shark Tank, local Shark Tank. You're finding and developing and growing these different yeah. things. Um, you've got this little family, this new little family that is lucky to have this experienced, seasoned man as the father and the protect, provide, preside man in the house. Um, and now spiritually, where do you see yourself? What are you doing in your spiritual life? Continuing on the path that I'm on now, I'd want to be just more aware, more in tune with my body, more in tune with people's energies around me. Um, I think that's one of the coolest things my wife does. She knows how people are feeling. She knows all these things. She can feel people's energy. She does it to me all the time. And she's like, oh, you need to do this. And I'm like, really? And then I do that. And I'm like, wow, I feel way better. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that was bothering me, but my body did. Yep. And, like, to be able to be self-aware like that would be mind-blowing. That would be mind-blowing. And it's just, it's, I think it's all about going deeper within your own mind. I mean, there's so much in there, so many layers. It's like, what is truly inside? Sure. I love that. So now, here we are. We're kind of at the end of our visit. We've talked a lot about um, your history. We've talked about kind of the direction that you would go. Um, your business, all of the things. If I could um, end this podcast on a note of, uh, of hope and positivity, a message that you, you carry, because the thing that surprises me is with underneath all these things, there's always a, like a core belief that's actually pretty optimistic. It's usually pretty, pretty positive. Your, your mindset is always in a forward momentum. Like I'm a new young entrepreneur. Like what would you say as, as advice for me? I think it, it goes back to the same thing. It'd be what I'd tell myself. Don't doubt yourself. If you believe you're only in competition with yourself, and if you figure that out, that you only have to worry about you. So if you believe in you, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Everyone else can believe in you, but if you have doubt, you'll find problems in everything instead of solutions. Mm. If you have confidence in yourself and trust yourself, a problem arises and you don't have doubt, you find a solution. All right. That's powerful. I love that. Well, here's the thing. I, um, I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I fully am grateful for the friendship that you and I have developed in the past 10 months. You've been a great example to me as far as um, your ability to solve problems, your optimism. I've come to you a couple times where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I throw, I'm throwing up my hands here. And you're like, oh, easy. This, this, and that. Um, it's a friendship that I truly value, and uh, I look forward to building that friendship and having being a part of your tribe at your table. Thank you very much as often as possible. Um, as I look into that friendship and I look into the future, I see all of these opportunities and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see you dadding in nine years, seeing what that looks like. And Amazing. all of, yeah, it's gonna be so much fun to see this going down. Um, so we're grateful for the opportunity and for you to be here. Thank you for your time tonight. Oh, thank really, you guys for really having appreciate me. appreciate it. That was awesome. It was a really good yeah. talk. Um, grateful for that. Now, if you have been listening to this podcast and you find value in what you've heard tonight, the lessons um, that go over and over again, listen to it again. Take some notes. What is it that you could move out of your brain? What furniture is in your brain that you could move out that would create space to increase your bandwidth for success? Um, what is it in your life that you really want? Are you living an intentional life? If you have enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends. Um, call somebody up, send it to them, and send them the link because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a culture of success, a culture of um, problem solving, a culture of how can I make my life better. And Aaron, you're a great example of that. 
Uh, so share this podcast with your friends and uh, save it. Put in a comment and uh, tell us how you think. Let us know what we can do to improve and what do you want to learn about? What is important to you that we can bring to the table that would improve your life? We're grateful that you've been able to tune in here at the, uh, at the podcast that we uh, have, the American Mastermind Podcast, and we look forward to you visiting with us again. Thank you for your time. Thank you.